Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode nine of Samurai Brothers Wrestling. I am John, and I'm here with my brother, Matthew. How you doing, Matthew? I'm doing pretty good. I enjoyed the Easter weekend off. It's nice to have uh, uh, the occasional weekend off when there's really not that much activity. Yeah, and I uh, hope uh, everyone else uh, had a had a good uh, Easter weekend also. And uh, so uh, we're going to get right back into the thick of things, Matthew. Um, as you know, this week, the U.S. Open is uh, starting, and so I'm very sure that Pretty much all the all the clubs, all the you know, uh, a lot of wrestlers are going to descend on uh, Las Vegas to uh, compete. And uh, you know, the U.S. Open is mainly seen as uh, you know, if you're placing at the U.S. Open, then you have a good chance to. Well, no, you do have a chance to challenge for the for the world team, uh, as we talked about uh, last week. You know top placers, top seven placers, I think, in each of the of the senior categories are going to be eligible to compete at the World Team Trials. So, you know, the Challenge Tournament, which will occur first, uh, that's going to take place in May. And uh, the winner of the Challenge Tournament uh, will progress to the final X events uh, in Stillwater and in New York to challenge uh, if there's a finalist for final X that has accepted their birth, uh, then they will wrestle off for the, for that world team trial spot to represent uh, the U S this year at the world championships. So uh, you know, with, with that being said, um, I did look at, uh, some, uh, you know, how the registrations are going for the, the major, uh, weight categories. But before we get into that, uh, just, uh, something that caught my eye when I was, uh, doing research, uh, today was, uh, there was a tournament that was uh, sponsored Matthew by, uh, Intermat, And it was a, it was called the freestyle, uh, college tournament. And uh, when I looked at this, it looks like they invited eight uh, American universities to participate in this event. And uh, but from what I saw of it, you know, they what they basically did was they pooled a lot of the guys together, guys and, and gals, um, you know, to just uh, have some matches is what this looked like. So some of the some of the weight classes they did do like uh, placing, you know, if you had. Um, if they had like two pools, then, you know, like the winner of each pool would face each other for, you know, who would be first, who would be third, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but Matthew, when, when, uh, when Interrad is, you know, sponsoring this and they're trying to, you know, just kind of get people together, do you think this is, you think that they're just trying to warrant, you know, give people some warm up, give some matches and stuff so that they're going to be ready for the U S open? Probably. It, it sounds like it was just something to, yeah, just get the guys out there and give them a bridge kind of to um, 
be able to do something because there aren't that many major tournaments. I mean, you know, it's, it's there aren't yeah there aren't that many major tournaments, so they were probably just going out there and giving them something to do while they're in between. So yeah, so uh, let me see here. Can you see the? Uh, can you see the the screen? Yeah, so this is, you know, it's the men's division, uh, Intermat Freestyle Open in New Jersey. And it uh, looks like they also, at that event, that they had some uh, girls uh, high schools teams uh, do some dual events uh, also. So, you know, kind of uh, getting those out there, too. So, um, of note, um, it looks like you had um, Vito uh, Arujao, who was an All-American at the NCAA tournament uh, competed. Um, I think Greg Diacomalis, who's the brother of Yanni Diacomalis, who is the, the reigning champion um, for uh, Cornell, uh, was also competing. Um, I think Yanni did also compete as well uh, at the tournament. Although he did wrestle up a weight, he was wrestling at 70 kilos instead of the 65 kilos uh, that he's qualified for. But, you know, again, probably just trying to get himself uh, ready and stuff. Um, Arujo obviously uh, wrestled, uh, won his weight class, uh, his pool. Um, you know, so, and uh, depending on, you know, how big the the weight classes were, you know, you might have seen any anywhere from, you know, just being a, you would have a three-man pool, you wrestle your matches, and then you, uh, you know, wrestle, you know, for a first-place match or third-place match. So, as you can see below, uh, you had uh, Vito Arujao. He won his he won his pool. So, they had two pools here. Now, from what it seemed like, they – you'd have an A division and a B division. Now – I don't know how they split them up, but uh, like uh, the A division at 57, you had only six people total. And then the B division, you had eight people. So it was probably just to make sure that there wasn't any uneven, uh, you know, matchups in terms of how many people per weight class. But, you know, so uh, I think it was interesting to see how that uh, turned out that, you know, it's like, hey, you know, get a lot of guys together and, uh, I think that's important, you know, kind of wish they would have it more out here too. You know, I, I think one of the problems I feel is that there's not enough opportunity for open weight classes out here. Um, as far as I know, not even the Orange County Wrestling Association, they stopped doing open weight classes, you know, during the freestyle season uh, quite a few years ago. So only the LA Wrestling Association does it out here. Do you think that's more or less that people are going to the various, you know, RTCs. And so there's not really a lot of, you know, participation. Yeah, I guess I guess the idea is that with a lot of these associations is that if you're going to be a, a serious wrestler, then you're going to go out and you're going to um, participate in, yeah, the, the RTCs. But of course, they don't, let's face it, they don't take casual wrestling like, you know, we're not going to go out there and like try to make a go for the yeah. Olympics. We're just trying to get back in shape and we just have a love for the sport. 
we're just going to go out there and do it casually. We're not going to go out there and try to, you know, go for the Olympics. We're just trying to lose our belly fat and just, just have some fun doing it. That's, that's, that's our whole point. So they just don't take that into consideration when they're doing tournaments. So it's, it's kind of unfortunate. And it's, you know, I just, I'm pretty sure that with the, the, the Orange County Association, they probably did have that thing in mind with the, um, when they were doing the, the casual tournaments, but, you know, they, they, they lost that. Mm-hmm. At some somewhere down the line, they basically lost that desire, and we're just like, you know, if you know, there's no reason in doing it. But it's like, you know, if it's like have have it, and if no one does it, no one does it. I mean, what what are you gonna lose? I mean, they used to do grappling, for goodness sake, back when um, Fila was was sponsoring, you know, grappling uh, events. They, they used to do that, so. Yeah, I think the I think the grappling transitioned more to um, the the jujitsu and stuff. I think if I'm if memory serves me right. Yeah, it was it was mission wrestling. So so I I do know. Um, have you ever heard of the of um, well? Do you remember SC Way? Um, that's that's the uh, that's the youth uh, wrestling organization. That's um, Right, they do. They do the. Um, they do the. They do stuff when during the the winter. Sure. Yeah, they they do youth um, wrestling events during the during the high school seasons. So that you know. The, right. The, they, yeah, to keep the kids doing something because right. in both the fall and the spring, right, they have they have youth weight classes. So it's just it's it's Run- um, it's. Con- those tournaments are conducted by the uh, by the what's it called? Ter- uh, by the um, yeah, run by one of our favorite favorite coaches of all times, Steve Lawson. <laughs> um, no, but wait, does is he does he wait a minute? What does he run? So so SC Way is is uh, one of uh, Steve Lawson's um, projects in terms of you know helping youth wrestling. Oh, it's it's his pet project, though. Yeah. And then I think there's some Did other. Did he start out as a youth wrestler? I'm sorry. Did he start out as a youth wrestler? I don't because I don't know how. Yeah, actually, so so I I um I saw a because uh, I was I was trying to to research to see if maybe someone might have tried to resurrect TMI somewhere. So I was trying to look up uh, the person who originally. Um, who created TMI, if you remember, Tournament Masters Incorporated, you know, that had all the, all the, the brackets of all the tournaments that they did over the years. And um, that person, um, Todd um, Tomasek, was teammates with Steve Lawson, apparently. Like, like little kid Steve Lawson? Yeah, yeah, the, the Steve Lawson from El Dorado, yeah. That's what I mean, like younger Steve Lawson. Yeah, younger Steve. Lawson. Oh, so he okay? That would make perfect sense because he went to every every single El Dorado tournament. Him personally. Who? The 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 tournament the TMI guy. Oh, oh. Tomasic. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did did you see him there by chance, or you just know that he was there? He was there. Yeah, I I saw him. 
there, uh, there was there was one time when um uh, he was in their their uh their wrestling room uh-huh and uh because you know they they would take some of the mats out so he was and because they would use the the wrestling room as a staging area there was mm-hmm. one time he went into the rest he was in the wrestling room and he had to go to the coach's room in the the locker rooms outside the building because it was too hot in there and his computer was over uh, mm. uh overheating so um i do know that um there's a um another person she will still help us out the i guess the the other person who would help with the tournaments which was um i think natalie natalie hayes um she she always does laguna hills because that's where um you know she's from around that area but she does uh, do the tournament brackets for Santa Ana College when we host our tournament. Um, so, you know, I mean, they still will do that, but I think just not as, you know, they don't, they don't put the, um, they don't put the brackets up anymore because I know that TMI's website, you know, went dark uh, during COVID. So, um, you know, which was really unfortunate that that happened. And, um, I actually was able if, to. If we're gonna, if we're gonna face facts, TMI was similar to how I'm doing with MMA Freak, where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm running it, and um, whatever money and business, it's like I get it, and um, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, I, I actually was able to find TMI on the web archives. Well, that's so good. Someone had actually, you know, archived. The only unfortunate thing was that they did not, when I was trying to go through the brackets of all the past tournaments, I guess what people didn't realize is that you had to archive the bracket links also. So people didn't do that. And so if you try to, only a few of the brackets actually got archived. Did they archive the results? So, yeah, some of the PDFs on the results got archived, but only a few, not, not all of them. One, one trend I noticed was that, because uh, I'm, I'm going through the archives right now, the archive version of TMI, and I'm just trying to find any brackets I can find, and it doesn't matter what year it is, because I think personally, I think it's important to, you know, save that history you know, for people. It is important to say that, it's, you know, it's, you know, there was this time where I was doing um, like research into that myself. And, um, you know, I'm surprised that no one saved. It's like, no, no one saved, no one saved league championships. No one saved state championships, even uh, like the OC register. It's like, I can't believe there's this like big intricate, um, like, like they save state. Like I, if you look, if you look back uh, at the right website, there's an archive state his a state championship history for California. But it's one of those things where it's just like, how is it that no one archived any of this stuff? There's got to be record keeping somewhere. TMI was only became the prominent keeper. Like someone had to keep archives of this stuff. It's like you go to CIF. Do you go to, who do you go to in, for all of this archived information? Yeah, that's the thing. Because if you go to CIF, they only they only have information back maybe to the I know up to the twenty early twenty tens, 
but then they're not really archiving anything before that. So, but I do know that, that, um, you know, Cal Grappler, which took over for the California wrestler. Now I'm going to try and go into the, I'm going to try and go into the web archives to find California wrestler next, because I'm really hoping that someone did archive California wrestler because the amazing thing about, you know, what you could find at the California wrestler was that they actually had the, 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 they had the, all the people who placed when they, when, when CIF state first started back in the seventies, they had all that information. They had, they even had, I think I even saw brackets of the state championships, but so yes, has archived all that stuff. It's just somewhere in the ether of the internet. Right? And, and, and one thing I, I don't want to do is I don't want to rag against Todd Tomasic for, you know, not keeping the website up. I, I understand that COVID really took a hit on everyone and, you know, he runs his own business. Um, so, you know, uh, anybody who's watching you, please, you know, uh, he does, he does heavy duty. Um, what do you call that vehicle rentals and stuff. So if you are in, in need of doing construction work and stuff like that, uh, you know, and I'm not, I'm not doing this out of any obligation to Todd, um, Tomasek, but, um, you know, Hawkeye rentals.com, uh, the website is his, his business website is still up. So if you are in need well, of this doing is not a sponsorship, this is, yeah. this is just, it's not sponsored, but you we know do what? Not have I have any sponsors for for our our podcast. No, I'm I'm doing that simply for um, giving back to a man who gave back to the community. Uh, so yeah, just FYI. I'm sure if anyway. we develop enough of a following, then at some point we'll probably get some yeah. Um, but you know, I I think you know it. You know, you can only do so much when nobody's coming to you, and uh, you know you're paying to keep a website up, but there's no you know, because he, I know that, you know, you, I guess, you know, TMI would charge, you know, to have, have the tournament, you know, tournaments running and stuff like that. Anyway, but one thing I'm, one thing I'm grateful for now, and I think that a lot of, a lot of, you know, kids right now, college wrestlers and stuff, you know, the great thing now is track wrestling. My goodness, track wrestling goes back, you know, quite a bit of ways. Um, you know, and the and the um, the California JC, you know, coaches associations and stuff. They got smart enough to, you know, since 2011, the the JC state tournament has been on track wrestling, which is good because, um, you know, if somewhere to happen to track, I mean, that's a lot, a lot of history lost right there. But I'm very confident that they would be able to bring it back up, you know, with the especially now that flow is the owner of track wrestling. I'm but, you know, I'm surprised that flow hasn't started like putting all that on a paywall or something like that. Well, they're probably smart enough to realize that it operated very specifically and that it was only because of the way it operated that it's successful. Mm-hmm. So if they want to keep it that successful, they need to, you know, well, and, and here's the thing. To, to have track wrestling running on your turn, I think you have to buy a package or something. Okay, so, so you know, that means that, that... I'm sorry? So they're still making money off of that. Yeah, so they'd be making money on that. So then once they've made their money on it, they're making the, the brackets available for people to see, you know, because they made their money on it. So, you know, that, that goes without saying. Um, 
so I, I think it's just very important. Yeah. For, for, you know, people to save that history. There was, um, I was looking at, I did find a website and this is, this is whatever organization in New York, New York, you know, whatever wrestling association in New York that's over there. They, they have a, uh, they have a website. It's called arm armdrag.com. And, um, that is basically their archives and they've got, so it's their cow wrestler. Yeah. In a sense, right. They're cow grappler. And, um, they've got, they've got history, you know, back to the fifties, I think. But the other thing I found that was really out there was that they've got, they got brackets from when the NCAA tournament first started. In the, what, what was it in the thirties or was it the 1929 was the first time that the, uh, that the tournament took place. So that's, that is, you know, to, to be able to have that and, you know, because it's New York, you know, being how old New York is, you know, in the, in the country. I mean, I guess that would not surprise me. And, you know, wrestling's always, it always was an Eastern, uh, a, a, what would it be? Like a Midwest Eastern thing, East Coast thing. So, but um, I'm going to, you know, go in there at some point because I want to really see, you know, how much of that, that data that they have. That's going to be really something. But, you know, well, just... one, you know, it's like all these organizations, they have to have archives somewhere. They, it's like they had to have done these tournaments, so they have to have been archived somewhere. Whether they're not on, whether they're not in, um, like, on the, the net or not, it's got to be somewhere. So I guess the question would be where and where, what would, it's like, what would, you know, would someone have to start digging into these archives to find this stuff? Well, like one thing to remember with like um, with California, for example, is that, you know, California didn't start having a state football championship until I can't remember if I was still in high school. It might have been my senior year because I remember Olu was in contention and they won it. Mm-hmm. So some sports have been having, you know, um, you know, the state championships for a while now, but others, it's a more recent thing. So, yeah, I'm. So I'm really hoping that you know, because there's, there's, I think it's important to be able to to keep that and make it available for people to see. Like for example. Um, uh, when I when I was looking back at the earlier brackets that were saved on TMI, um, I couldn't find the brackets that you know when you actually placed at CIF, unfortunately. So that's something that you know is really regretful on my end. That's like, hey, we didn't really we didn't go in and save them, but um, I did find when you made CIF the first time, and then. Um, but I did find um, 
I did find the bracket. They did have the bracket of the Estancia tournament that you, you, uh, you placed fourth at. And, um, yeah. So I did find that bracket. So at least there's a bracket that we have you where you, you placed somewhere. Um, you know, so I'll take it. It's better than, than nothing. Um, but anyway, you know, this is something to work on. You know, I think we'll just, we'll move forward. We'll keep going. Um, I mean, if I can, if I can try to reach out to, you know, Todd Tomazic or, you know, Natalie Hayes about maybe trying to retrieve some of the brackets, I would love to try and do that if, if they have them. My guess is they probably uploaded to the website and then deleted the original, you know, files because they felt, you know, maybe they didn't have a need for it, but hopefully not. Hopefully maybe it's somewhere, but who knows? So anyway, it goes without saying. Uh, just to kind of close out about um, the, the tournament that was hosted by Intermat. So they had four uh, girls uh, high schools that competed. You had Team Ontario, Team Crash, Team Centurion Pride, and Team New Jersey. So, and it looks like the winner of the uh, it of like that Team Ontario would probably be like the Canadian Ontario. It would be a what? It sounds like Team Ontario would be like the Canadian Ontario. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> Um, anyway, so yeah, the, the team Ontario was the winner of, of, uh, that one and, um, they beat team crash pretty good in the final, uh, about, uh, 39 to nine was the final score. And, uh, I'm not sure how they score, um, freestyle, uh, but that's something, you know, cause I know that it's, it's a little bit different than how you would score a regular, folk style match but at least they're scoring that's uh i gotta give it to them on that one um anyway so matthew uh just want to kind of get into the u.s open so i looked at the uh who all is you know i looked at all the uh, uh registrations that they've made and uh you know of note i think I don't know that I saw anybody of note. I mean, there there are some uh, some names that we've talked about recently. Uh, like, for example, you had um, some of the lightweight guys. Uh, like, for example, uh, where was he at? Uh, he might have been down lower. Um, but you know, I think this is more a lot of people who are just trying to get into that world team, you know, into that world tr- team trial tournament versus, you know, the the major players because they're already at the world teams. You know, they just kind of want to, you know, sit back. It seems, uh, you know, to kind of rest up for getting, you know, wrestling at the world team trials. So, um, you think that, you know, what, what, what do you think we can expect though? I mean, given that there's uh, as as normal, there's a lot of people, you know, 57 is kind of somewhat right now you've got, 
probably enough for a 24-man bracket registered. Now, this also doesn't include anybody who's going to walk, you know, do a walk-up. So we could see uh, a, a few more people lined up for this. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think uh, one of these days, I'm hoping that we can go, you know, uh, maybe if we can get down low enough and compete and stuff. But uh, I think things uh, can get pretty hectic, don't you think, when it comes to the U.S. Open? Well, yeah, because as we've said, it's an open tournament. People can pre-register to save on, uh, uh, you know, to weigh in the day earlier or um, uh, and save on money. But then you've also got the um, people who are just going to show up day of, weigh in, and then start wrestling. So now I'm I'm looking at the seventy. I'm looking at the seventy kilo weight class, and probably just with pre-registered, you're already looking at a thirty-two man bracket with just just seventy kilo pre-registered. And that's a two-day tournament, right? Yes. So I think weigh-ins for a lot, a lot, a lot of the divisions are going to start tomorrow because I think, I think the official competition runs from the 20. Actually, I think weigh-ins are probably going to be the 26th. I know that competition is going to be running from the 27th to the 30th, I believe the 30th or the first. But so it's, you know, it's going to be interesting this to see what, ha- you know, happens. And I think, you know, looking at this, probably a lot of the weight classes that are not, I mean, even 74, though, you know, even, you know, because I think 74 is where Dake is at. Uh, but a lot of guys look like they want to take on Dake. Now, here's a name that does stick out as far as like, uh, you know, people that we've known about. Jason Nolf, um, you know, uh, from... Penn State, uh, he is going to compete, so he's probably going to be a a front runner for trying to win that that weight class. Meaning that you know uh, he wants to get into that that semifinals. So it looks like he's going to be one. Um, you know, when I'm trying to look at who else is available, um, do you remember Isaiah Martinez? The name sounds familiar. Oh, he was a he was a national champion for um, Illinois, uh, but he was a wrestler from California. So he's registered at seventy nine kilos. Uh, although it looks like his residence, the state where he's coming from, is going to be Oregon instead of California, even though he's a part of the Titan Mercury Mercury Wrestling Club. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, we have Vincenzo Joseph. Uh, he's going to be competing at 79 kilos also. Uh, if I'm looking through at uh, some of the other ones, um, so, you know, I mean, people here and there, and again, you know, because we've been kind of out of this for so long, it's kind of hard to tell, you know, some of these pe- some of these people have probably done s- stuff, um, but because we haven't really been in- involved with it, you know, since we're starting out now, you know, 
we don't we don't know a lot of these names. I I certainly don't know a lot of the the names that I'm seeing um, on here, but you know, I think I'm I'm hoping that 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 can uh, improve. Let me let me share it so that uh, you can see um, people. If you do uh, recognize a few names, so moving on to the women's freestyle, uh, you oh, know Victoria Anthony's ob- uh, the obvious one. Yes, Victoria Anthony is the obvious. Unkiss kids. Yeah, so she's. I'm gonna be honest. Whenever I think of a, a of a wrestling club, I think of the Sunkiss Kids. That's the club that I always knew of the the most. Mm-hmm. So she's she's gonna definitely. Be you know because she is a world champion and stuff, uh, um, a world placer, world medalist, um, and then I, I am seeing you know this is looks like fifty kilos. That's going to be a a um, 16, 16 woman, bracket. woman bracket fifty. But, but again, that doesn't include right all. Everyone is going to walk in. So fifty three. You only have ten women. I think so far that are pre-registered. Uh, Fifty-five is a bit smaller, and uh, I think that, I know that the is re- one of those weird things where it's like two kilos. That's four pounds. Yeah, yeah, you got a, a two kilo difference between you know. Oh, and then there's another two kilos. Right. So you go fifty-seven. That's that's like, what's, what's up with these four-pound weight class? And and fifty-nine. What's up with all these four pound weight? Uh, what is this boxing? <laughs> like you, you know how there's like all these different weight classes in boxing, right? It's just like, what is this? Uh-huh. Oh, oh and then um, and you know, it's like the gap between fifty and fifty-six. I mean, that's like six pounds, but still that's not that far off. What is sixty-two? What is this box? And then 65, yeah. I'm just looking at all these gaps. I'm just like, what? I, I know that uh, I know that women on average are smaller. And what? if if a woman wanted to, she could cut like two or three weight classes, probably, from her natural weight. It's like this. This I, I, I'm uh, I'm 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 befuddled. I'm flabbergasted. Whatever, whatever word you want to use, I'm just like, what's going on here? Well, I think probably that's why, you know, they probably, you know, there's, well, actually, I think. 52 is a, lar- a larger gap. Under, uh, under no, that's not, that's not that large either. Well, I think one of the things, though, they don't I want. I think the, the, women- large, the largest gap is 76 because that's, no, that's not that large either. When, especially when you consider all these these gaps that they have in um um the the men's weight classes, there'll be like there'll be like ten pound gaps. Well, one one thing that I might you know uh, when when you're thinking about it is is that um, you know I don't think they want the women to be too big. You know they want them to be you know someone that I. You know the guy's got to be somewhat athletic too, but yeah, you know when you're thinking about it, when when um, you know the heavyweight weight classes and the men's sizes almost, you know, and I say almost twice the size as the heaviest weight class in the women's, you've got quite the gap there. 
Um, but, you know, I think because they're capping it at 76, when you have to think about it, you know, each weight class, at least according to the UWW standards right now, or, or you know, the way that the weight classes are set up, each style has 10 weight classes. So when you're only going to have, you know. That's, that's, ten, that's 10 non-Olympic weight classes. And then no, 10, 10 weight classes in total. 10 weight classes in total. And then I think it's seven. I mean, yeah, I meant on non-Olympic years. It's right, right. Class. And so then it's in total. And then seven of them are going to be Olympic. So, but, you six. know, in this case where UWW. I thought six. No, I, it, I think it's seven. The last I had heard, it was seven. Now, I'll be more than happy to, to go back to that. Uh, let's see here. UWW Olympic Weight Classics. Oh, you're right. It is six. Yeah, those. It's yeah. Those. I'm. I'm looking at the Olympics for last year. It was six. Yeah. Okay. You're right. So I stand corrected. Um. Really? Yeah. Now I. Now I wish they would put it up to seven. Um. Anyway. Well, you have to remember, wrestling has changed so much over the years. You know something interesting? I looked up the results of the first Olympics. There was. One weight class. And I think it was Greco. Mm. Um, well, here's here's the thing where I think that, you know, because of how things are with the women. Yeah, yeah it was one Greco-Roman. So, UWW, they have it so that the first weight class starts at 50 and then they're capping it off at 26. And you have 10 weight classes to fit in in a 26 kilo span. So I think I can see why, you know, they have to make it so that you're having no more than a four kilo, you know, you're having between a two to four kilo difference because you've got to, you've got to compact it when you only have 26 kilos to work with fitting 10 yeah, weight classes in there. Isn't the women's college heavyweight class larger than that? Like, I think it's in like the 200 pound range. Yeah. I'd be interested to see if maybe they expanded, you know, cause, cause, cause I remember, I remember the, uh, doing, sparring with uh, the heavyweight girl at, at Mobap, Desiree Mamiya at the time. And uh, she was a big Samoan girl. Mm-hmm. And well, actually she, 180 wasn't the heaviest weight class, but she cut down there because mm-hmm. I guess she didn't want to wrestle heavyweight. But, uh, <laughs> and I remember we, we, <laughs> we, <laughs> it was competitive between us. It's like we were all friends off the map, but it's like on the map, you know, those times where she would need a training partner. None of the other girls were heavy enough. And here I am, I'm the little squirt, like, you know, not, not that good wrestler. 
So they just had me wrestle her and we'd go at it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, how that works out, you know, maybe they might adjust something in the future, maybe after the next Olympics. I don't know. Uh, it's something but, that's constantly adjusting. And at least this time, it's not the rules that are constantly adjusting. Yeah, that's true. Like they were between 2005 and was it 2012 or 2016? Yeah, 2004 was when it got weird. And then, yeah, 2016, when they were when they were threatening to cut the Olympics, that's when, that's when, they you know, because that, we're going back to the 2004 rules. In a way, yes. In a way, yes. Because they had the weird, they had that weird best two out of three rule, which I was, I was never a fan of, although it benefited me. And they kept me. changing the push-out rule. Yeah, yeah, the push-out rule kept changing. Because first it was the person who pushed, who was pushing out got the point. Then it was the person who got pushed out got the point. It's, it kept, it's like the, the flux during that time. It's like, what are you people doing? It was just this bizarre continual rule change. No one could keep up with it. Well, it's like no wonder we were in danger of getting cut after 2016. Well, here's here's another thing. The boundaries of getting pushed out kept changing also because at first it was if you stepped on the line, that was a point. Then it became uh both feet. Uh, then it became if you the foot had to fully be out, um, and then the other thing was was um, then it became a weird uh, if you were trying to flip the other person out or something, or um, if the person if you were trying to push the person out but they got out of the way and then you stepped you stepped out yourself then the point went to the other person. And I think now the way it is, is that the aggressor that pushes them out is going to score the point. Yeah, that's the one thing is they kept the, they kept the, um, the right. yeah, they, they kept, they kept the, 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 the sumo point, let's call it. Right, they kept the sumo point I think the big thing was that they went back to the two, three minute periods. I, they needed to go back to that because the, the weird, the weird two, what, three, two minute rules, best two out of three. That was just ludicrous. Um, and then the other thing was, was that the, the whole tech fall rules also. Yeah. Two, yeah. Two threes ended it. A five pointer ended it. That or a um, you had to be ahead by six points or eight points in Greco. You know, it's just it was all it was all inconsistent. Um, I think though, and it kept changing from year to year. Right. I think I think though in Greco, if you're ahead by eight points, currently that con- that constitutes a tech fall in Greco. So they kept that, but they reverted the freestyle back to ten points. Correct. Okay. <laughs> so that's one I'm gonna be honest that's one of the reasons why I kind of 
it's one of the reasons why I got turned off from international competition. I didn't know what I was watching. I didn't know I didn't know what I was watching Greco. I didn't know what I was watching freestyle. I didn't know. I, it's like I it's like the sport became virtually unrecognizable for me. So I was just like, why? Why? It's like that's why I kept. That's why. I, that's why when I watched wrestling, it was college or high school because I knew what was happening. I didn't know what was happening in freestyle anymore or Greco. Speaking of Greco, like I tried competing, but there were times when I would lose a match. I'm like, how? (laughs) Like, yeah, you could have you could have dominated your opponent in the first period, but then you could have lost the next two periods by one point, and that would have constituted you losing the match. That's what it basically came down to. Yeah, like that. The like um. Like I told you that one, the was it the one or two times? But the guys that I fought, uh, wrestled the Armenian, obviously I wasn't going to win against him anyways, but he just did one suplex and that was the match. Because it was, it was the five-pointer and it's like, well, granted he was probably, granted he was winning anyways, he was going to win, but that was, well, that was the period. So, um, you might have done two of those. On I'll tell you what, though, I did benefit from the from the rules uh, because I ended up being Matt. I, I, you know, I went out just trying to wrestle one year. You know, here I was. I was, you know, still overweight and stuff like that. Uh, Probably not as rotund as you are now. I'm, yeah. I'm, so, I'm sorry, but that's, yeah. Uh, but so I ended up wrestling against a a CIF champion from El Dorado, Frank Velarde. And, the name uh, sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, and um, he dominated me the first match, but then um, the the second and third periods, I was winning on pushing him out and stuff like that. <laughs> it was just really bizarre, uh, you know. So I can I can say that <laughs> at a freestyle tournament, I was able to beat a uh, a CIF champion <laughs> division. CIF divisional champion. <laughs> I wonder how you would have done if you wrestled in, in CIF. That would have been because just because of how the um just because of how the Japanese wrestling was structured, there was a lot of questions that were just left unanswered because there's no equivalent to how the American system works. I mean, let's let's face it, Far East made more like yeah, the Far East tournament made more sense. The Far East tournament, the Kanto tournament, anything like that made more sense than how the Japanese system worked. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it really did. Unfortunately, but and we, yeah, and we and we railed on the Japanese system the last. Um, that's why. That's why we're. That's why we're trying to come back. The Samurai Brothers, we're coming back. Yes. Uh, the, oh, y'all get ready. Yes, the Samurai Brothers. The yes, the gonna make the, some noise. The true Samurai descendants. We're gonna make some noise. So, Math, um, I think. <clears throat> excuse me. Again, um, you know, I saw Colton Schultz as the you know the notable, um, person that's registered for um, uh you know, for senior Greco, 
Although here's a here's an inch. I I didn't realize this came up here. I'm gonna show you this. Uh, a, a screen share this. Uh, here's something interesting. Okay, so look at the look at the look at the club name of the of the of Mr. Tyler Kurt, who's directly above Colton Schultz. Interesting. Hey, whatever works. Whatever works. I, hey. I, I think the Cobra Kai series, I need to get caught up on that because I actually do like the whole Karate Kid series. But the whole Cobra Kai series kind of revitalized that. Um, uh... So, Mr. Tyler Kurd, we wish you the best of luck at this tournament. <laughs> oh I think God. you have our support just because of your uh, your club. Have you actually watched those movies? Because I've watched all, uh, well, technically there's five movies, including the, the uh, Jaden Smith movie. Uh, I, actually haven't, I actually haven't watched any of them. I, I've watched all five. You, you've, the- got, you've got a lot of room. You've got a lot of time on the weekends during the off season at college. So, and some of the uh, RAs, they would just pull out some, uh, some movies for movie night and i watched all four original karate kid movies with 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 um pat morita mm-hmm. and um yeah yeah it's funny because i was just like that's not okinawa that's that's <laughs> not that's i was just i'm just thinking that's not okinawan culture you're you're subbing in Okinawan culture for Japanese culture, for, for mainland Japan. Because for those of you who don't know, even though Okinawa is a prefecture of Japan, it's basically the equivalent of Hawaii. It was culturally very different. It was its own, it was basically its own kingdom separate from Japan. And in some ways, culturally, it was more similar to China than it was mainland Japan. But um, was it after the Meiji Restoration that they basically exerted control? Yeah, I think so. It was yeah, it was, it was probably about that same. Well, and it was, and if you think about it, it was about that same time that the U.S. annexed Hawaii. So it was a very, it, yeah, it was one of those things where it was very similar. So, um, but you know, the the Cobra, the the Karate Kid series establishes Pat Monita. As a, um, you know, this guy from Okinawa, but culturally he's more similar to mainland Japan. So it's just it's it was one of those things where they did a cultural, you know, a, a cultural thing. But it's like because if you go, well, not to mention the scenes where they actually filmed subbed in for Okinawa were filmed in Hawaii. <laughs> it's, just, well, it's because it's because it's similar. It's just also convoluted, but it's, yeah, it's, but yeah, it's, well, you know, another thing, I actually watched karate experts compare the two, and um, even though they don't really have specific um, karate styles, but the main gist is that the Miyagi style karate is a, is a variation of Shotokan karate, and um, I forget what the more aggressive one is, but that's basically what the what the Cobra Kai um, style is supposed to be. 
It's funny how it's funny how we are here. We are on a wrestling podcast, and because of a Cobra Kai, a team right. Cobra Kai, we're talking about uh, we're talking about um, karate styles. So Matthew, I think with that being said, uh, I want to kind of move on to the next next subject. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. You know, hey, who's going to come out on top at the uh, the U.S. Open? Anything uh, can happen at the U.S. Open. Yeah. So with that being said, so there are some people who have declared that they are going to accept their their spots, their their seed births at Final X. So let me just kind of go. I'm just going to go through each of them. Uh, there appears to be seven that have accepted. So the first person who announced it was Dayton Fix of Oklahoma State, and uh, he was a uh, world medalist last year, and uh, he is going to be in the final X um, wrestle off. Uh, And this one is going to take place at Stillwater. So fitting for him that it's going to be right in his backyard. Yeah. He's got a home field advantage. Yeah. So, you know, that'll be interesting to see how uh, he does. Uh, So that's the first one. Um, This one should not come as any surprise. Burroughs is going to uh, accept his final X spot for New York, and that's going to take place uh, after the Stillwater uh, Final X. Uh, so that'll be the Remind second me, where's Burroughs originally from? Where's Burroughs from? Yeah. Um, didn't he... I thought... Now, I could be wrong. I thought I had seen that he wrestled for Nebraska... Yes, he wrestled for Nebraska. He was a two-time NCAA. Yeah, but I was I was looking for that 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 uh, birthplace, New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey. Camden. So he's about as close to home field advantage as as he can get. Right. So, and then um, I I don't know if we had touched on this, but you know he will he will probably. So, in the meantime, he's gonna be wrestling at 79 but for 2024 he he does want to make one final comeback it seems and um it looks like he's not going to go up he's going to come down so he's going to really push himself for that 74 kilo spot and right. I'm very and sure he's going to have to match up against dake it's probably going to be dake you know barring anything you know i forgot what what happened what was the result of their their match at that um uh, at that flow wrestling event that one-time wrestle-off. I thought Dake had won it, but I'm not certain. I'd have to go back and look it up. Um, in fact, maybe might have actually. So, he lost to Dake at the Olympic team trials. And uh let's well at see. that point at that point we don't even need to see the um the whatever that, that event was because if that was if that was the case, even if he'd won it, Dake would still have the uh would still have the at minimum two to one advantage. Right. So that was something like this would be important enough to put on uh beat the uh, yeah beat the streets on his on his Wikipedia 
Page, maybe. Yeah, you know, I think um, uh, I think even when he was still wrestling, Daniel Cormier competed in one of those uh, um, uh, flow wrestling events. So let's see here. He he was he was in good enough graces with the UFC because it would when you're with the UFC exclusive contract you have to get sp- special permission or have it written in the contract. But he's he's in good enough graces with the UFC and Dana White that he would have been allowed to compete in that. that uh, Sorry, who who are we talking about again? Cormier. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. I've never known him to like badmouth uh, Dana White. He's always been on good terms with Dana White. Yeah, DC and, likes talking. Yeah, because because some guy because you know some guys they've had been on good terms with Dana White. They've been on not so good terms with Dana White. You know, you you've, you see the relationship change throughout the years. Whereas as far as I know, Cormier, I don't think he has ever said a bad thing about Dana White. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like how Dana White also said that he has never said a bad thing about Donald Trump, even though Trump at one point was investing in an investor in affliction who was mm-hmm. competing with the UFC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, don't, don't, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Um, so that's Burroughs. So Burroughs is the second person. Uh, this one should not be a surprise either. I mean, Snyder, uh, Kyle Snyder back on board. So he's going to be um, at the Stillwater event. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, is this is a- They didn't just have one article. They just did individual articles saying this person accepts, this person accepts, this person accepts. Yeah, yeah, basically. And, you know, they're talking about, you know, the accomplishments that each person has uh, has done you know, and stuff, which I think is a good thing. You know, you want to know how they, they did, uh, and and stuff like that. Um, so then our first, uh, woman wrestler, which is, uh, your teammate, Uh Helen Maroulis, uh, has accepted her spot and she will be wrestling at the New York event on June 8th. So she will be interesting to see how, she does, and uh, who's going to be her challenger uh, after the challenge tournament? Oh, she's going to be, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, um, kind of the funny thing that I've, I've said oh. and several other people have said is the fact that um, uh, we, uh, is that um, she, uh, you know, she's Greek. Mm-hmm. So she's essentially fulfilling her... Uh, by wrestling, she's essentially fulfilling her um, her birthright, basically. You know, an interesting thing, I actually have read up on a lot of the Greek events. There was, so the Olympics was men only, but there actually was a Greek women's athletic event in ancient Greece, and it served the same purpose. Mm-hmm. So it was, it. so um, it wasn't just an all-male thing. Granted, the Olympics was exclusive to men, but it wasn't exclusively a male thing. So, like I, so women wrestling is as old as the Olympics itself. So, so uh, another interesting thing. Um, apparently, there was an Olympic cycle. Uh, but what would happen is you would have four 
separate events that were staggered throughout the Olympic cycle. The first one was the Olympics, which took place every four years, took place in Athens every time. Then you had two other athletic events that took place every two years. The first was called the Nemean Games, and the second, I forget what it was called, but those would happen the second and the... They basically closed out the Olympic cycle. So there were the second and fourth years. Then there was another four-year event that happened in between the two two-year games. And then after that, you had the Nemean and the other games, and then the Olympic cycle started all over again with the Olympics. So, well, if you really think about it, like the World Cups, and other events that happen every two to four years or something like that, it's like those kind of are the modern interpretations of those various games. If you really think about it. That's a, that's a good history lesson. Huh? That's interesting. Well, this coming from history buff. Yeah. <laughs> so I, Matthew. I, I study speak, history in college. Speaking of a little bit of history for you, um, they did, they did um, you know, the article about Helen did, Make mention, uh, four-time four-time WCWA college national champion, winning three titles for Simon Fraser and one for one certain Missouri Baptist. She was the first champion in either uh, an either wrestling team. Yeah, isn't that? And she's got relatively. She's wrestling in New York. She's got relatively home advantage because yeah, she's uh, she's a Minnesota. She's a, a uh, Maryland gal. Yeah, East Coast. Uh, yeah, you know, something I'll never forget, um, in one of the uh, Ravens games after, uh, in 2016, after her Olympics, she appeared there and they were like, congrats, Ellen! They were, did this big old presentation in front of, you know, it's like, Congr- congrats, uh, Maryland natives. They, they, they honored her at this game. this game. I can't remember which one. Yeah, I don't don't see an issue with that at all, you know, especially when, you know, you have someone who, you know, from your town or your state and, uh, hey, they've gone out and done a great thing. So I don't I don't see why you wouldn't honor the achievements of, you know, said person doing that. And, uh, you know, I, I and I'm sure this has been rehashed, you know, quite a few times. It's like, you know, when. When Helen did what she did at 2016, it was, it was, she shocked the world. You know, it was, you know, I, I, I know that she, I've heard how she doesn't really like being compared to Rulon in that aspect where, you know, Rulon upset Corellin, you know, so, but, it you know, the equivalent sim- though, let's face it. Well, the similar, it's it, it basically, it is the same thing. You've got, you've got a, a dominant three time Olympic champion. Facing off against someone who had, you know, not been, uh, I don't, I don't think Rulon had been to the Olympics before, had he? He had not. He had not. And I don't think, uh, you know, Helen had not been to the Olympics either. And in both cases, they had met, you know, the person that they beat, you know, Rulon and Helen, they had both met Karelin and Yoshida, and they both been beat badly in, in those previous matches, you know, so to come out and, and, uh, you know, it, it was just one of those things. So, you know, I know she doesn't 
I've heard she doesn't like being compared to Rulon, but the fact of the matter is she did do a Rulon. <laughs> there's there's no you you it's, can't get out of it. The similarities are very it's like the similarities are very striking. She she won Olympic gold medal, she won a world championship, she got injured in between, she comes back after uh, you know, having dealt with all these injuries afterwards, and she takes bronze. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you know, hey, Rulon, yeah, he won the gold. Um, you know, lost the toe. But yeah, he had that ski accident, you know, he lost his toe. He still came back though, you know, and hey, he got a bronze. And um, now, granted, um, Helen didn't have to deal with an injury shortly before the Olympics. Rulon had a wrist injury, motorcycling. So he went to the, uh, the Athens Olympics with his with his wrist tied up. Helen didn't have to deal with that. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's it's. Uh... So we'll, we'll, you know, I could still see her slapping me in person if I were to make that comparison. (laughs) She's the type of girl who would do it's, it's not, and it's not, it's not like, it's not like, um, saying that she's like an abusive or violent person. It's just that she, she, she wouldn't like it. And she'd probably be comfortable enough with me to know that (laughs) get away with it. And I would just be like, yeah, I was asking for that. Yeah. Um, we have our second uh, female wrestler who declared, and this was Tamira Menza Stock. So, um, you know, I remember reading that article uh, a couple weeks back about how she might be questionable, you know, the one on flow, but uh, I'm glad to see that she's going to be back. So, and I would, like, explain- to, I would like to know. Uh- because I never heard anything about the WWE, and she said that she wanted to do the same thing as uh, Gable Stevenson and go into the WWE and dominate. I was just like, uh, so is the uh, WWE think, not think... interested? Let's, let's face it. The WWE is looking at a certain type of woman. Ronda Rousey still fit that certain type of woman. Yeah, she's got personality. Ronda Rousey's got personality. Well, Tamira's got a, the you know personality, but she's got that like bubbly, joyy type of personality. Whereas, let's face it, if you're in the WWE, you're expected to have a little bit of feistiness to you. So, <laughs> um, cool, because well, because you know, talking about WWE, you need to have the ability to either be a babyface or be a heel. So the question is, would she just be this perpetual babyface, or would she? be able to turn heel if the situation called for it. Like even for those, even for those people who made a life as like a baby face, let's face it. They served some point of their career as a heel. Again, you know, we're talking about pro wrestling and you know, wrestling, oh. amateur wrestling podcast. So um, <laughs> stock, um, her final X is going to be at Oklahoma state. Uh, so, and that's What's her background. She's from she's Texas. From, yeah. She's from Texas. So that's close. Yeah. Well, well, Oklahoma is right above Texas. So it is. Yes. It's, it's close to home field advantage. So moving on to our sixth, uh, wrestler who has declared, and this is actually our first Greco wrestler, uh, Giangelo, um, Hancock. Well, let's face it. There's not a whole lot of 
Greco wrestlers who got Final X according to the criteria, Final X uh, um, reservations. But, you know, hey, in his case, um, he had a bronze at the World Championships, which, you know, I think anytime the U.S. gets a medal, you know, at either the World Championships or the Olympics is... In Greco you know, nowadays? Is, in is, Greco is, nowadays, that's quite an accomplishment. They've always been more competitive in freestyle, but Greco, it's, it's, it's kind of a big deal because Greco's always been dominated by the Eastern Bloc. Well, the thing that let's, rings. Let's so face true. it, we don't know how the Eastern Bloc is going to be influenced with the absence of, of Russia and Belarus. We talked about that before, but you know. Well, the thing about the thing about you know, and and um, it, it always seems to be the trend is like uh, you know the or at least Fila when it was Fila, it always be trained changing the rules because you know they want to beat the Americans, you know. When they should be concentrating on beating the the Eastern Bloc. Yeah. So Hancock uh, will be, uh, you know, again the ninety-seven kilo uh, uh, wrestler, final X wrestler uh, for Greco. So that's so that's the first and only Greco declared so far. Um, uh, if there are, are there any, any other Grecos who? I think there was like one or two more that have a chance at it. Uh, I'm going to be honest, just as an experiment, I'd like to see there be some kind of women's Greco competition. Just, uh, you know, sometimes. Just as an experiment, I'd like to see that happen. See it's already been happening. It, ha- it happens at the low level. Like, um, you know, when I was, uh, when I first got back here from Japan, and uh, there was a there was a there was a female wrestler that I was uh, you know helping to coach, and so uh, she'd tag along with you know some of the other guys you know when we would go to the freestyle tournaments, and um, um, she wasn't that great, but um, you know at least she was trying to get out there and and wrestle and stuff, and um, if uh, you know because she was only a freshman. Um, if the girls were close enough in age to her and weight, then, you know, they would, she would, you know, the, the other coaches would allow their, their high school girls to wrestle, you know, this, the, the college girl that we would, you know, take along anyway. So at, at, at some of the LA tournaments, they were actually doing women's Greco, you know, to see how it was going out and stuff. Um, And I think when I, when I, refereed at Esperanza, you know, a couple weeks ago, um, I think I saw, you know, they were having girls Greco matches there too. So I think, you know, I'm hoping at some point, you know, I would, I would definitely like to see, you know, Hey, that would, that would be something in and of itself, especially if we could get women's Greco to be a, an Olympic, um, you know, entry i'm sure a lot of women would try to you know it would provide a golden opportunity because not a lot of you know greco is not as as big in the u.s you know as it is out and again like you mentioned the eastern Bloc, uh europe uh it's just not as it's it's popular in the middle east yeah it's popular in the middle east it's popular in europe 
It's just not popular out here. I know it's not popular in Japan. Uh, you know, a lot more people like doing freestyle than than Greco in Japan. Well, yeah, because let's because you know when we talked about Japanese wrestling, there's what one Greco tournament in high school. So, um, or are there other tournaments where they have? They'll have. They'll have. Let's see here. They'll have one national high school Greco tournament. I know when they do their Kanto tournament, they split it up so that um, they'll have freestyle and Greco. And then um, when they do the Kokutai, which is the national... The Kokutai is like all the prefectures compete against each other in a way. And... um, They'll, they'll split between freestyle and Greco for that one, too. Just depending on the weight classes. It's, the Kokutai is like a dual tournament, right? Not necessarily. It's, 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 you're, you're, in a, you're in a single elimination bracket, and then how far you progress scores points for, your, for, your, for the prefecture is how that's done. Right, whereas everything else is individual. It's either team or... Um, right. It's either team or individual base. Uh, Let's get on to the last uh, person who has declared her spot in Final X, which is um, Jenna Burkett. Uh, She will be competing in Final X at Stillwater. West Army. Yep. So let me see here. Uh, she took the bronze medal at the 55 kilo weight class at the 2021 world championships. And, uh, she finished second at the Olympic trials, So she barely missed out on that. Uh, but she is coming back. So it will be interesting. Um, although in her case, it looks like she won't be in her backyard because she's from Rocky point, New York. So she'll be a little bit out there, but you know, uh, so that concludes our seven wrestlers that are going to be uh, in the final X uh, for the world team trials. I forgot when's the deadline to declare. Uh, it's in May. Yeah, so, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's why you're seeing you know you're seeing them coming out now you know preparing you know saying that they are going to accept the the offer. Uh, I think as we had been mentioning before, I don't think Gable's, you know, since we saw, you know, Gable was at, Gable Stevenson was at, um, he was at WrestleMania. So, you know, he's probably with, with, you know, he's probably going to be on what I think NXT is the developmental. Um, it is, but from what I've been reading, he's already been drafted to raw. That's that's quite a you know that's quite a uh, yeah you don't see that very often like Kurt a- they did that with Kurt Angle too so that'd uh, be interesting but of course uh, but of course WWE has been notorious lately for fudging up very promising talent which is why a lot of the times they'll go to AEW where AEW because they're run by wrestlers. And not by promoters or writers, they actually know what they're doing. So, um, 
And and I found it interesting, you know, because Cody Rhodes was, helped develop AEW. And uh, now I'm he's exactly, I'm still not exactly sure why he left. Because yeah, he he developed he helped found and develop. He helped it. He helped build it up really well. And yeah, now he's back in the uh, in the WWE. Where when he left, he was saddled with a horror. Have you you've heard of his? Uh, well, you know his brother. Um, yeah, his brother is Goldust. Yeah, his brother was Goldust. Well, his brother was well. He was saddled when he left to basically. Well, he didn't. He did not help create AEW right away when he left. Um, uh, the WWE. Like six or seven years ago, he first went on to the indie scene, but he left because he was saddled with a very gimmick very similar to Gold Dust. Right. Yeah, I, I remember um, seeing clips of that. Yeah, the star the Stardust gimmick, and it it kind of started going not yeah, as nutty as as not as nutty as as the gold dust gimmick was as its nuttiest but it was kind of going in a weird direction and so he was just he wasn't happy with it so it's just like i want to leave so yeah yeah he has to be released from his contract yeah and because because um wwe nowadays they've got that especially at the time they had essentially a monopoly on the top talent so they're like okay you want to go you can go not realizing that they were essentially creating their biggest competitor at this point. Well, yeah, because they had, they had absorbed WCW, um, and then they got the cream of the crop. They could get then, someone from New Japan if they wanted to. They could get someone from Europe if they wanted to, which they they've, they've gotten both. because well, their competitors it was WCW, and then there was one other WCW. organization, ECW. ECW. Yeah, Impact right. was never highly up there. At the best, they were probably a super indie. So now they got to deal with AEW. <laughs> well, and the the way that the AEW operates is it has this very specific style. So they're not like WCW was, where they're wasting wasting money buying washed up guys. They have a very specific type of pro wrestling that they want to get so they are they're not picking up every willy-nilly person from from um the the either not these huge bidding wars they're picking guys who specifically adhere to the type of style they want to go with so they've developed their own style as a result they're not they're not ripping off dota e which was which ended up being WCW's downfall. They're also not giving these guys like huge control. They're giving the, it's like they've got creative input, but it's not the thing where it's like, you don't like, you don't see the AEW championship flip flopping like 10 times in a year or four times in one month. That's how bad it was towards the end of WCW. That that's, that's one of the reasons why it went under, not to mention you had actors like David Arquette and writers like, Oh um, yeah, they bring in people that have absolutely no business being. <laughs> yeah, so it's like there's there's a reason why I remember WCW that W crashed in the end. That's AEW is being smart with how they uh, they he, conduct business. I think David Arquette actually made like a pro wrestling themed movie 
And I think ready to rumble. Yeah, ready to rumble. That's the whole reason why they brought him in. He he did a WCW theme movie, and they 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 said, "Oh, let's capitalize on this." And he himself said, "I don't think this is a good idea," because he's an actual pro wrestling fan. He's like, "I don't think this is a good idea," and they somehow coaxed him into it. Speaking of development, Matthew. Oh yeah. So in in closing, and. Uh, you know, I think this uh, this is uh, I think will be the first time that we'll be doing this, which is basically just kind of talking about you know certain topics and stuff. So I thought it would be great to talk about what makes a championship team when it comes to wrestling. And you know, when you think about it, there are a lot of factors that have to be in play for there to be a championship team. You know. And, and there's a lot of ways you can look at it. You can have a team that's going to be consistently good, like, for example, placing at state, you know, in top 10 at state on a consistent basis. You may have a team that's going to have be like a, a, a one-off. You know, they, they, it's just that their timing was just right, and they're going to go out there and win that state championship, and then they're never going to be competitive again. Uh, you can have – and then you have your dynasties. You're going to have – you know, the, the teams that are, that are going to win and they're going to win, you know, almost every single year, they're going to win consecutive championships. So, you know, there's a lot of things in play, you know, and uh, I think when it comes down to, let's talk about the head coach first, you know, what do you, what do you think is, is important about a head coach and his responsibilities and abilities in order to be able to coach a, a championship team? Well, he needs to, obviously, he needs to be a good coach. So he needs to be able to know the techniques that he's teaching these guys. He needs to be able to develop a relationship with these guys. And, um, you know, as we mentioned before, it's like that could be something like with Brands or Jay Robinson, where they're tough, but they've got, it's, it's, it's kind of, I'd describe it as like maybe a love hate relationship where they're, they're tough on them, but when, but they, but that toughness also develops a mutual respect towards each other. And in a way it also would weed out maybe certain people who aren't, don't do well with that um, coaching style. Whereas, um, whereas with um, guys like Kale, for example, he, uh, you know, it's like drill. It's like, you know, drill, drill, drill. Let's, let's do this stuff. Let me show you this stuff. Um, but it's like more of like a positive attitude. So there's, there's, it's, it's like positive, but firm. It's like, let's do this. You, you want to be a champion? Let's do this. Mm-hmm. So and, um, also the coaching is basic. Another thing thing about coaching is being able to delegate certain roles to other um coaches like you need to have a strong assistant coach possibly multiple assistant coaches and for like a high for high school for example developing a feeder program would be a good way of helping to um and obviously you can't oversee that yourself because as we've talked earlier during the 
the high school or college season, uh, the high school season, you need to be held to concentrate on your high schoolers. So you delegate the feeder program to other coaches. And um, I actually was kind of involved in that because at Olu, uh, when Chris Elder was the head coach, he had a feeder program as well. So he kind of, um, it wasn't very big. And uh, he ultimately left before it could be very effective, but he did have that idea of, I want to get these guys started and be able to uh, plug them in there. So that, that's, yeah, there's a combination of being, have the technique, being able to respect, being able to find coaches that you can um, respect who would be able to do stuff like, like, one example we'll point out, um, you know, at Santa Ana, Silva, because of his job, was very dependent on his assistants, whether that was Vito Becerra or whether, I forgot, who's the guy right now? Your old uh, teammate? Alan. Yeah, uh, Alan. Yeah, so depending on them to be able to do stuff like recruiting and, you know, uh, you know, training outside of uh, matches and uh, practices and even the off-season stuff and stuff like that, but being able to do that stuff, um, you know, that uh, stuff like that is is important to uh, developing uh, relationships. So, well, right, you know, and, and there's a thing about also, again, yeah, recruiting is a very big thing, especially when you're going to be, you know, at the college level, you know, the, depending on how things go. in college is make or break for a program right being able to recognize talent for one and two you know whether or not you're going to be able to recruit that talent you know to come to your program what are you going to be offering you know those those wrestlers you know to come to your program and i think you know and like you've you've we've taught like you've talked about before where you know Iowa is is a brand name, you know, not just then, and this isn't just a pun on on Tom Brands, but it's a brand name in wrestling. You know, Iowa is a premier program. Hey, that's where Gable really made. That was the house that Gable built. Right. And so you got Tom Brands maintaining that, and you know, with his kind of, uh, you know, the, the I, I'm not going to say he's got like the bad boy attitude, but he's very, very passionate. He's not, he doesn't have a bad boy attitude. He's got a tough guy attitude. Yeah. There's a slight very, difference because a bad boy actually looks to create trouble. Brands does not look to create trouble. He He's a very, so the, uh, a good thing, a good thing to say is he's very, very, very passionate about wrestling and wanting his team to succeed, obviously, you know, <laughs> I find it funny how, you know, it's like, you'll, if you, if you watch, uh, um, I've seen a couple of times where you'll, 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 you'll be watching a duel at Iowa and his wrestler is about to pin someone and the ref is looking for the pin and Brands is literally in the ref's ear saying he's pinned, he's pinned, you know, he, it's like Brands himself is like two feet from the action on the floor like this. <laughs> um, but, you know, then again, like you say, there's Kale. 
Kale knows how to. Brands is about the team. Kale is about the individuals. You know, because if they want to be successful, like you said, like you pointed out, you know, where he's talked about, you know, it, it's a it's a different style we could say, but this but it's where it's applicable also that works. And I, also another thing in, in um, another thing, another important thing about trying to build a, a championship team is your, your, is geographical. Where are you getting your talent from? Or if it's, if it's homegrown, you know, that's, that's a, that's going to be a big difference between college and, and high school, because, you know, in, in college, you know, you can, High school, you are literally getting everyone from. You're getting area. right. You're getting. You're getting whatever. Whatever is coming into your program is what you're getting. Unless you did have a, unless you do have a feeder program, then you kind of know what you're getting. But sometimes, you know, you got some of these coaches. They they don't. They can only take what they can get because they they don't have. They either don't have the time or the money to invest into a feeder. Resources. Program. Right. They don't have they don't have those resources to invest into building a feeder program, and so sometimes what you have is just your coaching style, your coaching skills, and stuff. Well, but and you- let's let's face it, that's the average high school coach. They mm-hmm. don't because they've got because typical the typical high school coach is a teacher who has to balance you know the the life of teaching with the life of a coach possibly also family as well so they're not you know the average high school let's face it doesn't have a a wrestling club outside of stuff so the wrestlers if they want to get extra stuff are going to have to go out um you know to outside competition and possibly go to other clubs in order to be able to foster um more uh competition that's just that's just how it is sometimes though it's it's when you're gonna have like for example you got the uh, the Tirapellis up in up in that Fresno Clovis area. You know they're all in the in those in those Clovis schools at Buchanan and stuff. And so these are NCAA D one, you know, champion All American wrestlers that are coming into these programs and um, you know coaching these guys. And we know for a fact, you know, Central Valley is a has been the dominant. It's always been a hotbed. It's like it's 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 you know, always been a hotbed. Fresno, Clovis, Bakersfield. You know, it's always been those teams that have been dominant in in California wrestling. Um, you know, you have to over go back years, quite a ways. Over the years, you've seen exceptions to that rule. Like in the '80s, you had both El Dorado and Canyon doing well at the state tournament. I think El Dorado won a few championships with the Lawsons. Um, and then Colorado won one state title, um, and that was only with Scott Lawson. Yeah, but the but the Lawson brothers won individual state titles, like yes, like yes. yeah, with Scott and I keep forgetting who the oldest brother is, who's just not involved. He's he's not he's not coaching, but right. uh, yeah, but um, like you've got that like. Um, and then during the nineties, nineties to two thousands, you had the Calvert Chapels, and then you had Poway here and there. Right. Poway, uh, well, and let's look at it. Poway is one of those uh, programs with the feeder program. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and then also looking at the Valley doing good in the 80s, Lamore High School, literally right in my backyard, won a few state championships. So, and I've actually read that, yeah, like in the 80s and possibly as early as the 70s, you had Clovis schools winning that maybe aren't as dominant now, but they were winning, uh, they were winning state championships. So, yeah, the Valley has always been a place for wrestling. So I'm, I'm trying to look at, okay, so the last time, so I'm on Cal Grappler right now. The last time that a non-central section school won um, the state title, looks like it was Poway in 2009. Uh, you know what, though? I think, yes, that's right, because 2010, Bakersfield won it, and then... Clovis went on their, their five-year winning streak uh, from 2011 to 2015. And then from there, um, and then since 2016, it's all been Buchanan, which, by the way, Buchanan, they won their first title in 2006. Yeah, I remember that. They, yeah, they won when I was uh, a junior, and they were, we were just like, whoa, what's happening? And, uh, you know, again... Um, you know, the Terrapelli family is, is all up in, in that, in that Fresno Clovis area. Um, you know, and Hey, they're, they're helping build powerhouse programs. So, uh, you know, nothing like a little bit of family competition though. I can't imagine how Thanksgiving and Christmas is when they all get together. (laughs) Um, but you know, and I think, uh, also, it helps build like some of these championship programs also, you know, I mean, obviously the, you, you have to have supportive administrations. Uh, you know, I, I don't think a lot of these places could not get stuff done if they did not have, you know, these schools being really supportive. Um, and again, you know, like you mentioned, the assistant coaches, um, I think uh, like, for example, you know, Fresno city, which is currently the dominant wrestling program in you know the california jc um system division you know they they've won they've won like 13 overall state titles and paul keesaw who is the current coach you know he's won nine of those and uh i think it's kind of like when kale went to um you know penn state Paul Keesaw actually was the coach at Moore Park, uh, which is kind of in northern L.A. County. And he did OK. He actually won a couple of state titles, you know, with Moore Park, uh, you know. But then he goes up to Fresno State and he finds, you know, very good success. It's probably because he's able to make the right connections. You know, a lot of his, uh, you know, I, I do believe that there are uh, quite a few of his uh, assistant coaches are involved with other programs, probably with some of the other high schools up there. Uh, they probably do their own club stuff. So, you know, they're able to also recruit if they can, which is, you know, good. You know, that's how you want to bring people in and introduce people in. So, you know, that's a way that your assistant coaches are able to, you know, work for you and stuff. Uh, alumni, obviously, if you've had successful alumni, you're going to, you know, be able to talk to have those alumni 
talk to future prospects. Um, I think also the thing is, you know, booster, you know, the boosters, uh, you know, I remember, uh, who was like the really big booster at Villa Park when you, you know, when you were there? Um, besides dad? Dad was, dad was the big booster? My or... senior year, he was the big booster. He didn't even want to be the, the president because he wanted to create a line of succession because um, there was, I forget what Tony Mercado's dad is, but he was the president of the booster club when I was there, when, or my sophomore year, then my junior year was McBride. And dad had just seen this, this line of the seniors who were the presidents. And he was just like, well, I don't want, I don't want that to happen. So he insisted on the, um, the parent of a junior being the president of the booster club and he would be the vice president Mm. and, um, and, uh, you know, help out from there. He, he wanted a clear line of succession. Mm. Interesting. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, because when you're, when you're wanting to go to tournaments and stuff, um, or if you're wanting to really go to, you know, off season tournaments, you know, you got to have the funding. And I think a booster, you know, having a successful booster program definitely helps, you know, make that worthwhile. So, you know, I think that's that's kind of, you know, some things I think that are important about, you know, building a championship program. I think, you know, timing is obviously one thing, you know, especially like, you know, maybe it's not working at one school. Like we saw that with Kale when he was at Iowa State and then he moved out to Penn State. And he just, you know, like you've mentioned before, he just tapped into unreal, I think, it's it's yeah he's tapped into some unrealized talent and just help make things just go off in a in a direction we'd never seen before i think yeah he, well that's that's another thing is that um i'm not sure exactly if gable um spent any time coaching at iowa state but we know that he went to iowa and that's where it took off for Gable and but yeah well and then of course as you point out um the coaching style with Kale was the the factors because Kale concentrates on the individual Kale clearly concentrates on the individual but he's not the type of guy who puts it all all his eggs in one basket he as we have seen he concentrates on the individual but he concentrates on the individual's across the whole team brands as you said is more of a team building guy where it's like team 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 whereas kale is i'm sure that there is some team building there as well but his he knows this is an individual sport and he knows that in order for the uh if you want a successful team you need to make sure that every individual is doing their part so he concentrates on those, and because of the, and with the way that it went, um, just with also the fact that he was in Pennsylvania, which is uh, a lot of people don't know is a high school wrestling stronghold, he was able to make that that perfect uh, um, winning formula. So it looks like I'm I'm looking at Gable's um, Wikipedia and. It looks like um, 
he after after the 72 was it is it 72 olympics yeah he competed at the 72 olympics um and then he kind of competed you know from time to time after that but it was it was after he retired in 76 that he became so looks like iowa was the first place he went to um before before you know becoming so that was the only place it looks like that he was really a, a head coach he wasn't really coaching anywhere else um but just being able to do that you know it's like the first pro you know the first program where you really hit it off i that's that's that is something because you know sometimes it takes it's going to take a while before you're going to find the right place to you know, you, it might take you a while before you find the right place. I mean, you see that with Kale. Um, I think also sometimes it's like when you're when you're building a dynasty, like for example, you know, Grandview. You know, in the NAIA, you know, they they are the they are the team right now. That's probably because you know. Uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the rivalry with life goes out from here. Um, you know, could life, you know, in Georgia mount something for, for next year? It'll be interesting to see. But sometimes, you know, sometimes it might be your competition too. You know, the level that you're at where you can build the dynasty also. I mean, just look at D3. You know, you got Wartburg and uh, Augsburg. They, they've been winning the titles since 1995 at D3 level. Yeah, that's that's uh, certainly true. And yeah, it's, it's the thing with like in the like smaller, like other divisions, it's like we've been seeing with D2, D2 has been in this constant flux, but then we talked about, yeah, with the D3, they've, it's, Warburg and Augsburg have been, you know, going back and forth, but then you have NAIA where, yeah, you, you had Grandview on this. Nine, nine consecutive titles. Yeah. Who got dethroned by life and then Grandview came back. So it's one of those things where, yeah, we don't know if this is going to be like a rivalry for a while, or if this is eventually going to, um, you know what what all's going to happen but it's something we're just going to have to wait and see and see how how it all goes all right well with that being said matthew uh we're going to go ahead and uh close out uh this episode um you know i think uh next week obviously i think our main topic will be you know how how and what happened at the uh the US Open uh, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of results from that, seeing how things are going. And, um, you know, then uh, how are things going to be looking for, you know, the world team trials? We'll probably have some more people declare uh, accepting the final X spots. And that's that's going to be like a multi-week thing in and of itself because of how all those individual tournaments are going to be spread out so that's going to be a saga that we'll be talking about well into the summer okay matthew so uh uh i think uh 
again, uh, where where can uh, where can people find our our videos? Uh, let's see, our video pod, our video is currently on YouTube and Rumble, and then um, our audio is on a- Apple, uh, Acast, Spotify, and Google. As I mentioned before, uh, more platforms are to be added. That's just one of those constantly ongoing projects. And then also Matthew does run uh, MMAfreak.com. So it's MMA-freak.com, I believe. And you can also find uh, Matthew uh, at Matthew Salzer uh, on Twitter. And Instagram. And and then also, yes, and on Instagram. And then also if you want to give MMA Freak a follow, uh, MMA Freak Out uh, on Twitter. Twitter. So uh, if you want to get more MMA coverage from Matthew, make sure that you follow him on there. So again, uh, let's see how the U.S. Open goes. And uh, I am hoping to put out some uh, material uh, on sumo wrestling and then also on some uh, Japanese wrestling uh, if I'm able to find time away from work uh so also continue I, to check out our clips those apparently are more popular than uh, at least on youtube than the podcast itself it appears so continue to look for those all right so matthew uh as always great uh talking with you uh, about stuff related to wrestling and uh hopefully uh we'll see how things go for next week uh so Till then, uh, everybody, thanks as always for uh, watching the program and uh, and listening also. And uh, we will see you all next week.